Hi, listeners. Episode two of our show happens to be the first one that we recorded back at the end of October. So some of the local politics references are a little bit dated, but we think you're going to like this anyway. Enjoy the show. Listener discretion advised by the sound contains salty language. So if you don't like that, turn it down now. No, now, like right now. Okay, let's start this fucking show. <laughs> I like how you fixed your boobs to start talking. Yeah, That's I awesome. felt like they I needed like that. a little assist. From the Coast Salish land of Seattle, we're By the Sound, your community-invested podcast. Each episode, we'll speak with the brightest minds from Seattle and the Pacific Northwest. We'll discuss art and pop culture, as well as local news and politics. I'm Sarah Mays, sitting this week with Chelsea Alvarez and Aisha Hauser. On this week's show, we'll get to know Chelsea. She'll also discuss the podcast, Scam Goddess. Finally, we'll look at what happens when gay parenting, race, and designer baby making converge on a Seattle City Council election. This is By the Sound. So how are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm, I'm, um... I'm preaching this weekend. I'm going to preach on all souls and death and uh, to children, which is always fun. <laughs> children love death. They do. And we're and adult, like folks who aren't comfortable themselves with death, who think they're going to either live forever. I'm not sure what people think, but I think we don't talk, at least in Unitarian Universalism, we don't talk about death enough. So I'm going to do the service where... I talk about death. There's a great book I read called The Brief History of the Dead. I read it years ago. And the premise is everybody on earth dies except this one woman in Antarctica. And she's, everybody's dying of uh, a virus. But what happens is uh, you go to another plane, not purgatory is a different name for it, where the people stay in that plane who are all connected to the people living. Mm. So they're all on this plane wondering why they haven't moved on to the great beyond. And finally they figure out as they talk that they're all connected to this one woman. And this one woman does not know that the entire planet is gone. It's very interesting. So my point is in naming that is that people, so my father died when I was 13, he was 42 is that we are full. The people who we love who died are still alive when we carry them and remember them. And one of my saddest memories is that my father is that was when I stopped remembering him and I stopped smelling him. Like he had, he used old spice and like, mm-hmm. it took probably about 10 years. I'm like, wow, I don't remember him anymore. Like his stories. And so somebody said, ask your aunt. Cause my parents had a bitter divorce, whole nother podcast. Um, so my mother's stories were not anything nourishing or helpful, yeah. or she calls him the son of a bitch. He's like, you're son of a bitch father. So that's not helpful no. in her little Arab accent. So um, so I talked to my aunt who loves him and that was helpful. So that was, that's how I am. And I haven't written the sermon yet, so I'm writing it right now. What do you so. want to tell kids about death? That, um, people are, yes, people are gone and our pets are gone, things we love and we can hold on to them and they live in our hearts. And when we remember them and think about how they made us feel when we love them. So it's about, yes, death is fine. Like I don't give any promises that I have no idea what happens when we die. And I'm not about to give that fairy tale, you know, like when people, who knows, um, you get a planet, you get, I don't know what you get, but I don't know. It's more that what we know is when we're left, we can hold, we can hold the people we love, um, in our hearts and honor them in the way that they made us feel and the impact they left in the world. That's what I'm going to say. And for our listeners, uh, you were just hearing, um, Aisha Hauser, um, who, where will you be? I'll be at East Shore Unitarian Church in Bellevue, Washington. Okay. And, and by the time this um, oh. airs, actually, uh, people 
It, it will be ancient history. It'll be but, archived uh, on our website, okay. yesuc.org. So you, you can listen to it if you're interested. Sweet. Um, uh, this is Sarah Mays, and um, I've also been thinking uh, a lot about death this week. It's, I, I heard on uh, the NPR show Hidden Brain with uh, Shankar Vedantam that <clears throat> um, somebody studied uh, the effects that thinking about death or being reminded of the fact of our mortality um, has on our social relations. And the program I heard, they found that just being reminded that death is a thing um, can lead to less social cohesion between groups and more affinity for those that are like us. It It's striking to me that in these times when to, you know, be an informed citizen, which involves generally following the news, we're going to be more um, aware than ever of all the death in the world and that these these constant reminders um, of death could make us um, uh, feel less trust in the other. Um, and, and not always for the obvious reasons, um, uh, but because of this, well, they, they traced it back to uh, evolutionary neurology, I believe. But um, I brought this up with my meditation teacher because she was talking about death. And, you know, she said, of course, like, I, I, I was asking if there was a way we might disrupt that. And she didn't really have any ideas. But she did point out that in the uh, Tibetan Buddhist tradition, there are a lot of um, uh, meditations on death and decay and that it's integrated uh, into a concept of uh, a whole life and, and say less of a, a tragedy. Yeah. I don't have anything to say. <laughs> <laughs> you seem I very mean, provoked. By I, well, I'm, I, it's something I would need to marinate on for a while. I'm thinking about... Um, when you said that thinking about death or the possibility, or the inevitability of death makes people, um, for lack of a better word, uh, more tribal in their thinking. Um, I think of elderly people watching Fox News and getting their fear center tickled all day. All and, day. Um, the, the feedback loop of that. Uh, and like just gen the the general tendency towards um, conservatism in older people, like it's even like if you remove the idea of like a Fox News or a brain dead megaphone, uh, you see like I don't know. My experience of older people is that they tend to be a little more concerned about who is like them, but I don't know. Uh, I was also thinking about like the Jewish New Year just passed. I don't know. Something that is missing in my life that you both have mentioned is any sort of like faith based community. I don't have that. And now, Chelsea, you are Jewish, right? I am not Jewish. Oh, okay. Uh, my mistake. My ex is Jewish. So I was Jewish by affiliation for a while. Um, and I did get to experience. Uh, a few years of like the Jewish calendar and it was really lovely. I was raised Episcopalian, which means uh, nothing at all. <laughs> Catholic light is yeah, what we call it. Yes. Yeah, yes. 
uh, the pageantry of Catholicism without any of the like intensity. And probably there was more going on uh, that went over my head because I was, I don't know, I was about 12 when I stopped going. Um, but we're in spooky season. It's October. And so I'm also thinking about death. Got Dia de los Muertos coming up, which I don't really celebrate anymore, but was part of my childhood. I don't know where I'm going with that. I'm fine. So I guess we're all doing okay. I didn't yeah. hear any wails of pain. I mean, just, I am in a little of bit of pain. Morbidity. My cat was oh. taken away. Oh, shit. What? What do you mean? Yeah, straight people took my cat. What? Okay. So. <laughs> Is that something they do? <laughs> yes. This is what I found straight out. Straight people take pets here. Like, Seattle is, like, weird that way. Mm-hmm. Aisha, so, you're the only straight person. <laughs> I am the only straight person here. That's how I know that. I know how weird straight people are. Yeah, she are. has access to the meetings. I'm, and they're so fucking boring. So glad I don't have a cat right now. <laughs> so I took in a stray. He started coming to my back door about two years ago. And I tried to feed him and he bit me. And so I started calling him bad cat. <laughs> and bad cat would come visit every few weeks. Uh, and then finally he wore me down and I started feeding him every day and petting him and brushing him. And we developed a relationship. Uh, and he really became my cat. Like we bonded. It was love. Yeah, it sounds like it. And then bad cat got in a fight with a raccoon. Oh, yeah. He's tough, though. Like, he's he's like a real tough dude. I wouldn't tangle with him. Mm-mm. But he took a flesh wound, and I uh, cleaned it a couple times for him, but it, like, wasn't looking super great, so I took him to the vet. And they scanned him for a chip and found one. Oh, no. Yeah. So it turned out that Right before Bad Cat started showing up at my door, he had been brought to Seattle from his original home of Texas oh. by a lovely couple named Ted and Molly. And he uh, ran off from the house where they were staying, which was near mine, and they never saw him again. They call him Ziggy. Uh and they thought that Ziggy was dead. Oh, no. Hmm. Yeah. Is this the beautiful cat I yes. saw? Oh, my God. It was beautiful. It He's was so handsome. And, um, Do you get to visit? I mean, I can't. I'm not ready. Oh, oh this just happened? This just happened. <gasps> Such a beautiful bad He's cat. He's so gorgeous. Mm-hmm. He has these sapphire eyes. I bet you he misses you. I know he does. I really, yeah. He's my cat. He chose me. He sure did. <laughs> Oh, no, that's Um, definitely, yeah, that's real. But, I mean, on the flip of that, like, these people thought that their cat had been hit by a car or God knows what. They spent two and a half years grieving Ziggy. (laughs) Ziggy came back from the dead. Yeah. That must be really satisfying. I mean, the feeling you get to, to, it's, yeah. I can't even imagine. I cannot imagine. That's like a Hallmark movie, but not as interesting, though, with cats. It's always dogs. I don't know why cats are, I mean, I'm a dog person. I have two of them. My dad was a dad per, dog cat person. He had three. Um, I like your dad. I know. I actually became super allergic after he died when I was 13. Oh, interesting. Super, could not be near a cat as soon as he dropped dead. Hmm. Mm. 
Um, but cats just aren't, don't elicit as much. Like, I don't know. Why don't they move, make movies about cats that run away? It's always about dogs. I get I know a lot about this. My my oh. my, my little list is just obsessed with uh, uh, dogs and dog movies, and um, you know I've seen a lot of movies now with talking dogs, and uh, they're just you know for my own selfish reasons I I want to suggest a cat movie, and they're just start that that market isn't as big it seems. I mean, there's um, Milo and Otis. Yes, Homeward Bound. Yeah. Still has dogs. Like there's no ex- there's exclusive yeah. dog movies. There's no exclusive cat movies. I think his cats are so like or, like aloof and like fuck you. Like they're just so like they could give a shit what you think. But I know they're loving. I know that's like not true in actuality. It just feels like it's true. No, it's true. There was a golden age of cat movies though. That there being was? the first like yeah yeah that darn cat. And the cat from oh, outer space. We're talking cat. about the the Don oh, like Knotts 50s, Disney like live 60s? action. No, it was like sixties uh, and seventies. Yeah, um, there was the Garfield. True, true. But Garfield mm. and Garfield ate lasagna. Like they made him like a dog more. <laughs> that's the thing. It's like that's, Garfield, wait. That's your objection to Garfield is that he ate lasagna. Well, it, 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 like, it was really fucking boring. <laughs> it was boring. <laughs> right. That was. That's why, because like yeah. he fucking ate lasagna. That that's what I remember about Garfield. It was an ordinary orange cat that ate lasagna was mean to his owner. Like fuck mm. you, Garfield. I mean, honestly, can I just say there was a lot more going on with Garfield. I think you just didn't dig deep. Yeah. I, I probably didn't. You're right. I did not give Garfield the credit. And now deserved. he's a blank slate for all manner of memory. Oh, that's true. There's some wild ass Garfield memes out I'm there. I'm gonna have to look them up. They're probably really good. There's like sexy Garfield memes. No. They're horrible. <laughs> They're horrible. And you can't ever unsee them. So don't I actually would not recommend going down that road. How do we feel about John? How, what do you, uh, he's a simp. <laughs> he is. John is There's just, nothing to him. John would be like an incel right he's, now. I John think I, I would be stuck in his fucking apartment. <laughs> Like, resentful of this cat that only wants fucking lasagna <laughs> on his computer, mm-hmm. becoming an alt right troll. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just. It's 2019, like- John. Sarah. Chelsea. When you say that By the Sound is a community invested podcast, What does that mean for our listeners? Ah, glad you asked. It means that in addition to hearing our conversations about local issues and interviews with our most interesting Seattle area neighbors, fans of the show can join our listener community online by supporting the podcast on Patreon. Doing so will unlock access to our private Facebook group. What are we posting in the Facebook group? (laughs) Well, in addition to exclusive previews about what we'll be discussing on the show, We offer a curated stream of the best and most provocative local news stories each day. That's dope. How much will it cost to join? Our online community membership is available to all patrons starting at $5 per month. How else can fans of the show invest in this community? Our supporters on Patreon who contribute $10 or more per month will receive exclusive invitations to buy the sound meetups at Seattle area coffee shops, bars, and parks where they could meet by the sound co-host, guests, and other local fans of the show. Sweet. Where should listeners go to donate? They can visit bythesound.net and click on the donate button. That's bythesound.net. Or go directly to patreon.com slash bythesound. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash bythesound. 
So Chelsea, what is the most interesting thing that you want to tell people about you? Wow, that's a rude question. Mm-hmm. That's rude as Who hell. said I wasn't rude? I was raised in Jersey. I'm not pretending to not be rude. Fuck that shit. What do you enjoy telling people about you? One time a baby duck tried to follow me home. That's freaking adorable. I know. It was the cutest and most Where? stressful thing. Seward stress- Park. <gasps> I love Seward Park. I was at Seward Park and I was like out at the the tip of the thumb. Mm-hmm. And there's that little fountain. Yes, I know exactly where you are. I'm with you. Yeah. And I was with my kids and there was like eight baby ducks. Um, no adult ducks. Mm. And... We were watching them play and then they like saw us and got freaked out. And so seven of the baby ducks managed to like march away. But then there was one last baby duck and it just sort of like was lost. And then like it looked around and all the siblings were gone. Oh no. And then it looked at me and was like, oh, you're my mother now. I swear to God. <laughs> Are you my mother? It's like yeah. that book. Oh no. And I was like, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. Like I can't. So we, I was like, okay, we got to just go. And the baby duck like hopped out of the fountain and like started like following us. And I sent the kids ahead and it was like trying to like speed walk. Cause it, like how fast can a baby duck go? Turns out actually quite fast. <laughs> and it followed us like into the woods and like there's the stairs, like we were going up the stairs and it was just like hopping. Oh my God. I'm getting us. really stressed out here. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. It was. Oh, no. I blame the parents. Completely adorable. And also, I've never been this stressed in my entire fucking life. So now we're like in the fucking woods. This duck is away from its entire family. I'm like, well, fuck it. You're my duck now. So I pick it up. (laughs) It's like bad cat. Did it have a chip? Uh, (laughs) Did straight people come to take it from me? Listen, let me tell the rest of the story. So I pick up this baby duck. And we like walk through the woods and get back to the car. And uh, I'm, I turned to my then husband. And I'm like, we gotta, we gotta find like some adults for this duck. Like, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do with this fucking duck. I got a duck in my hand. <laughs> so we go down by the water uh, and I found a duck. Mm. And I was like, well, maybe it's like, maybe it's this duck's like auntie or like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> Maybe you know this baby duck. And so I put the baby duck down like three feet away from this adult duck. And I'm like, okay, you stay. I go. And I turn around and like run back to the car, jump in the car, slam the fucking door. And then this 12 year old girl walks up and goes, oh, my God, a baby duck. And just scoops it up. Was she a straight 12 year old? Probably. Although statistically kids aren't straight anymore. So. Oh, true. I know. Right. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, so then I just, I, I told my husband to just like fucking book it. Like we had to just get out of there. It's her problem now. (laughs) Like a great story. Oh my God. A baby. (laughs) Why is that hilarious? That is so like intriguing and sad and so i used to read the book i am not your are you my mother to my daughter i will write the book i am not your mother you have to write that (laughs) and when she was three years old she wakes up one night crying like waking us all up mama 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 and she clearly she had a nightmare like a night Mm -hmm. terror i'm like here they are night terror she was maybe three 
And I pick her up. She goes, the baby bird can't find his mother. So I literally had to sit her down. And I'm like now ready to cry. I'm like, no, no, no. Look, I had to show her the end of the book. Mm -hmm. Look, he finds his mother. Look, the baby bird finds the mother. It was, it was, it was rough. I mean, that's real. That book taps into like. It just does. A really intense child anxiety. It does. Yeah, no, she had a nightmare about it. It didn't even occur to me. And she's like, the baby bird can't find his mother. My three-year-old had a nightmare about, are you my mother? That's an interesting thing that comes up in children's books, though, a lot is, like, separation from the mother and, like, uh, or being an orphan. Like, yeah. children's books and fairy tales and they... That little match girl, that's rough. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. That, that's a tough one. Which one? Um, the, the little, little match, match girl. girl. Oh, I don't think I've seen that. She dies. Heard it. Oh, okay. It's a Hans Christian Andersen. Like, oh. the snow. Yeah. Like, it's cold. Yeah. It's snow. It might be Russia. You know, she's... And it's kind of like, fuck you, Disney. They kill all the mothers and all the... Like, yeah. Know. Adventure starts when your mother dies. Oh, my God. That's fucked up. Didn't even occur to me. Fuck you, Disney. No, and there are so few female characters that it's like it they, they're just Hans off Christian one. Anderson. And, like, yeah, who started yeah. this shit? I mean, Joseph Campbell would tell you that it's the hero's journey. All right. He would tell you that, yeah. So, Chelsea, uh, have you been on the hero's journey? Have I been on the hero's journey? <laughs> What's your origin story? Oh, Lord. Um, Every hero has an origin story. I mean, technically, but, like, is anyone actually a hero? I had a boyfriend when I was very young and didn't know better who was obsessed with Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey and really, really needed to see himself as the hero of the story. Mm. Um, he was abusive to me and to mm. others and, um, narcissist much super narcissist. Uh, and he was eventually forced to confess to his many abuses on good old Facebook But then what happened was his many sycophantic friends jumping in and saying like, oh, we know you're a good guy and you're going to you're going to overcome this because he was the hero of the story. Um, No, I have not been on a hero's journey. I'm just a regular fucking lady. (laughs) (laughs) I'm simply struggling to survive capitalism like everyone else. I am no hero. I am but a cog in the machine. Uh, I don't think there's anything that exciting about me to be. Have you ever been honest. in love? Have I ever been in love? Oof. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. exciting. I mean, it's ex- exciting. Things have happened, I guess. Is love exciting? What is love? Uh, Tell me about the first time you fell in love. The first time I fell in love, I was 14. And I fell in love with my best friend who fell in love with me. And she and I dated on and off for three and a half years. And she actually texted me this morning out of the blue because she knew I'd be asking. We're in the pre shadow of Mercury retrograde. Oh, Uh, this is going to last, I believe, through November. So everybody Scorpio. Great. Love Scorpios. I'm an Aquarius. I'm an Aries. Uh, get ready to receive texts from your exes. You don't have to text back. Oh. You can just let it slide. <laughs> you can just let it slide. Oh, I can. <laughs> I can. And I will. Uh, so, yeah, that was the first time I fell in love. Uh, it was intense. It was uh, tumultuous. 
It was a fucking blast. Mm. I'm a big fan of falling in love. Me too. I do it every so often. Uh, it's never once been a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. But I, I have a lot of fun. That's besides the point. Like, a good idea, that's not the point. No, it's not the point. I do other things that are good ideas. I have, um, I don't know, I have a lot of great habits. Sarah. Chelsea. When you say that By the Sound is a community-invested podcast, what does that mean for our guests? It means that we pay them. Every guest interviewed is paid an appearance fee. Is it normal for podcasts to pay their guests? No. People say all the time that our time is our most valuable commodity, and yet most guests on radio and podcasts aren't paid a dime for their appearances. Huh. Our show's supporters who donate on Patreon help us to pay our local guest. And in doing so, they're investing in our local community. Are there other ways our Patreon supporters can help us pay our local guests? Yes. By the Sound community members who sign up for the Discovery, Westlake, or Gasworks membership levels are able to designate their first one to two months donations to a particular local guest of their choosing. Huh? If we are able to get an interview with the person they've chosen then that guest will receive the amount that was pledged for them in addition to our normal guest payment. This is a great way for fans of the podcast to help us choose our guest, create a platform for interesting local people to share their voices, and to reinvest in our own community. Nice! How do listeners get in on this deal? They can visit buythesound.net and click the donate button. That's buythesound.net. Or they can go directly to patreon.com slash buythesound. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash by the sound. I have been listening to uh, Scam Goddess, which is an earwolf podcast hosted by Lacey Mosley. A big fan of scammers, like in general, I think uh, under late stage capitalism, scamming is one of the only things that makes sense. Um, So Scam Goddess is dope. She... Uh, talks about like the current state of scamming. Uh, she like issues warnings for like any um, new scams that are going around. Um, she also like reviews a, a scammer in history uh, every episode, and she has awesome guests. There's a Nicole Byerly episode that um, was super fucking fun. Paul F. Tompkins, the uh, professional podcast guest, uh, is on the first episode, and he's perfect and magnificent. Um, so this is a nonviolent true crime kind of... It's comedy true crime, uh, which is my jam. I can't do murder because I, <laughs> I have too much anxiety. Um, I basically have a brain where, like, if you tell me that a bad thing can happen, I become convinced that it is going to happen to me. Um, Have you ever been scammed or had identity theft? Uh, that, not that kind yet. Of thing? <laughs> <laughs> no, I have uh, thus far avoided being scammed, which I feel a lot of gratitude for. Um, I've never had a credit card. Oh, so, wow. okay. 
Yeah. So nobody can steal my info. Yeah. My identity was uh, uh, scanned by a family member. And, and so it was, um, uh, my credit was fucked straight out the gate. I had to work to, to repair it, but that yeah. happens. Yeah. I, I, I heard about a similar tale on, on um, criminal? criminal. Yeah. That was a great <laughs> episode. Um, two episodes, right? Yeah, they just did a follow up, which yeah. is why I was uh, uh, reminded of it. I heard that, and I was just like, "Oh my god, that's so familiar." Yeah, that happens. Um, yeah, she's gone over some really—I um, don't want to say fun scams, but I do want to say fun scams. <laughs> well, it's fascinating. Yeah, you know, fascinating, we love dirty, yeah. rotten scoundrels. And- yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, we love Joanne the scammer. We love uh, oh, what's old girl's name? Uh, with the blood scam, you know what I'm talking about? Elizabeth. Oh, 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 I read a whole book about her. Uh, the, the, Theranos. Elizabeth Holmes. Uh, yes. Love her. Oh, she's fun. Um, my favorite thing about Elizabeth Holmes is that, like, she did a really good job of the first rule of Scam Club, which is that you have to scam yourself first. Oh, wow. You have to convince yourself that like your blood technology totally works or that your music festival is a really good idea. Like you have to be so convinced of the necessity of your scam that um, reality isn't going to stop you. Humans are awesome at that. That's the human ability at cognitive dissonance yeah. is, is it's actually pretty easy to do. It's frighteningly easy to do Yeah, to convince yourself that said scam is, is necessary. Yeah. Like now you're doing good. Yeah. Lying seems to be a muscle and that yeah. you, you got to strengthen can, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My favorite thing about Elizabeth Holmes is that she heard that uh, dogs are descended from wolves mm-hmm. and her cool brain just went, my dog's a wolf. <laughs> and she would tell people that her obviously not a wolf dog. But she believed it. She believed it. She her believed dog it. was a wolf. Yeah. God, love that bitch. Anyway, <laughs> scam goddess. Uh, scam capitalism before capitalism scams you. It's my motto. Is that what the motto of the show is? No. no. But this show is motto. not pro scam. It's just. I mean, she's a little bit pro she's scam. a little bit like. So it's not like this is what she's not. She's not like this is how you scam. Yeah, She's just like, here are the best scams out there. Wink, wink. Here are some ways that people have successfully scammed. Wink, wink. Honestly, I don't think she is truly pro scam. And there really isn't that much of an anti-capitalist lens applied. Um, I do that myself. You're projecting. (laughs) So Chelsea brought uh, to our attention this week um, an article by... The amazing, um, thoughtful, brilliant Charles Medede, who uh, I guess got a scoop from uh, Day Kim um, regarding Egan Orion, who is running for the um, what third uh, city council district seat um, against Shama Sawan. Uh, by the time um, the show airs, the election will be uh, history, and per- either everyone will have forgotten who. Egan O'Brien is, or he will be the guy that unseated uh, Shama Sawant. So, uh, Chelsea, what what was going on here? Okay, so um, Egan O'Brien posted on Facebook, uh, when was it? Uh, last year. It was a year ago today. Yeah. Oh, cute. 
um, that he was in search of an egg donor because he and his partner wished to become parents. This is all fine. He's a gay man. He is a gay man. Um, the list of requirements for the egg donor is where things got interesting. I will read. <laughs> Looking for Latina, Italian, Spanish woman, fine if partially white or black or Asian or Native American or Middle Eastern. Think United Colors of Benetton. <laughs> five two to five nine. Uh-huh. 21 to 29, small to medium build. No fatties. <laughs> I added that. <laughs> he did not, to he be clear, not, Egan not, O'Brien did not say. He only implied it. Yeah, he yeah. heavily implied no fucking fatties. I'm back to Egan. Distinctive features. Great. Educated, healthy, into the whole gay dad thing. What's distinctive features mean? I missed that because I was so into the partially black okay or some shit. What the hell does distinctive features mean? Yeah, what does distinctive features mean when you have listed the entire world? <laughs> well, the United <laughs> Colors of Benetton. Yes, distinctive features. Distinctive to whom? distinctive what's what the fuck do you mean we just need an explanation because yeah already and then like it's okay if you're partially black middle like clearly not too black like is that what like not too melanated like if partially partially white or black okay or asian all right or native american wow or middle eastern wow and i i noticed this this post it was uh a public post so essentially for the whole it's not this say somebody was getting on to his what he was saying to his friends and broadcasting it wasn't a text it was it was a public public to the whole world uh post now um i i don't have uh ovaries uh so it would help me um, as one who had the privilege uh, and uh, honor to uh, procreate in a, a very straightforward non-intervention fashion. It would help me to understand, first of all, what does it mean to get someone to uh, uh, donate or sell um, oh, um, an egg? What happens to the egg? It gets what, fertilized what is- by one of them, I would think. I mean, so why not fertilize with your man of color, your partner of color, and just find some random ass white woman? Well, well I mean, he could be like sterile. If, uh, yeah, oh, that's, that's true. true. That's I mean, there's true. any, there's all manner yeah. of things that could be happening. Yeah. Um, I actually, so I'm looking at this and I'm imagining a map of the world. <laughs> Join me, if you will, in picturing a map of the world. Can, can you pull that up? Yeah, yep. Yep. got okay. it. Got it. Got your world map. Got okay. it. Now, as I list off ethnicities, I want you to, like, highlight mm-hmm. the areas on your map that this covers. Okay. I just want to see what gets left behind. Okay. Okay. okay? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Latina. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. Actually, pause. I want to point out his partner is Mexican. Specifically, mm-hmm. Mexican. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we've got that part. Let's highlight that blue. Mexico's blue. Okay. And then we're going to highlight yellow, all of the I- other 
places that I'm listing off. We don't know who the sperm donor is because I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't know. understand like it, it, what there's a, you pay someone for the eggs and then you pay someone you else pay for, someone for, to be a surrogate mother. You and, could, I mean, you could have a real designer baby just like get like, this no, sperm, yeah. that I don't, I don't egg. No, no, why. you could pay someone to carry the baby, which mm-hmm. is a surrogate. Yes. So I, so somebody could pay me, although I don't have a uterus anymore either, but I do have one over left anyway, whole another issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I had a uterus, someone could have said, I'm going to give you $20,000 yeah. to be, to use your egg. So I would be, um, artificially inseminated with the sperm of whoever the father would be and then carry the baby to term. Uh, have all medical p- expenses paid, deliver the baby, and hand the baby over to the parents. It looks like from the rest of the post, this is just for an egg donor. She would not function as the surrogate. So they might have a separate Oh, surrogate. interesting. Okay. Because yeah. I think a se- he had posted it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. World map. map. We're back. Okay. Blue, Mexico, okay. Blue yellow, Mexico. everything all right. else. We, we, we got Central and South America in, in okay. play mostly so that's here. all of Central and mm-hmm. South America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Italian. Mm. Spanish woman. Mm. Okay. Spain. Fine if partially white. Get that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or black. Mm. Mm. Or Asian. Mm. Or, okay. All right. Or Native American. Mm. We have the whole world. Oh, wait, or no. Middle Eastern. <coughs> I, Not I, the whole world. I didn't hear indigenous. Uh, He's a Native uh, American. He's a Native American. Or, um, uh, Oh, Pacific Islander. Yeah, Pacific Islander, Australian uh, did not. No, no. But no. mostly we're 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 getting we're getting up to we like ninety five percent of the world I mean, population. Asian. That's that's most a of, of the. <laughs> that's most of the. Well, world. he's not. He he's leaving out the uh, countries in Africa that are have dark skinned black people. That's the thing, black. Partially, no, no, no. Partially, <gasps> fine. If partially, it does not say it white. Says partially or white or black. We have nearly the entire world highlighted. Mm-hmm. What the commonality here, though, is that he wants a dark beige to light brown. Yeah, small to medium build woman with distinctive features. Still don't know what that means. Still don't know what that means. Still not clear. Um, here's the fucking thing. Do you want a baby? Right. What, what exactly? Do you want to raise a child? Do you want to be a Because his thing, oh, here, here's what got me. He said, I want to be a parent. Mm. There, are, there are so many children in foster care. Yeah. Who are in desperate need of a stable home. Yeah. You could be a parent. You could be a parent. So that's more to that. You want a designer baby. You want a designer that's baby. That's not, you don't want a fat baby. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You don't want a white baby. Which... I don't know. I'm not a big fan of white babies. Can I just be real? <laughs> I've had two. I, I love them. <laughs> I'm sure you're very fond of your white babies. I don't know. They just never look like quite cooked all the way when they come out. <laughs> it takes a while. Well, yeah, I did have that thought uh, also. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't think of it in racial terms, but yeah. I mean, they, they, <laughs> Honestly, I mean, like sometimes my friends, my white friends will have a baby and I have to... I have to hide them on social media until the baby's cooked. Like yeah. nine months. I don't want to see like a. Okay. Anyway, and neither does Egan Orion. Yeah, so we've got yeah, that in common. Yeah. The thing about Egan Orion is it's not just the United Colors of Benetton egg donor. It's also the I'm doing air quotes. 
native inspired tramp stamp. Mm. It's the, that's real. I'm not making that up. He has like a, um, and I believe has talked about, uh, it's a native American inspired, inspired, (laughs) um, Pacific Northwest. Yes. uh, Okay. Yes. Um, it is the casual, uh, use of the word tribe. It is, um, sending out flyers with the photo and endorsement of a white woman with blonde dreadlocks. Um, is he a tool for Amazon? That's, That's right. That was the next part. So we've got all of these like um, markers of utter bullshit white liberalism, no real stance on fucking anything, and he's a shill for Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just gross. I'm just grossed out, and it's it's the the larger picture that is being drawn here is of. Someone with no fucking moral compass or integrity. Like, that's what it really comes down to. Well, after this came out, uh, there was a, uh, he did post something on it. He sure did. Uh, um, What stands out to you in his response to this being brought to light? Oh, the conclusion is my favorite part. Uh I'll read it. Read the conclusion. Okay. With all our collective challenges, issues like this don't solve problems, but only expand the chasms between us. That's why I'm running. To bridge these divides and help move our city forward. As a gay man, I often see allies be clumsy in their allyship, but to have advocates that are willing to learn and evolve is key. So where do we draw the line (laughs) between... um, clumsy allyship and just being a fuck nut. My thing is this about that. What what occurred to me. So I, I very much try to live by the journey is the destination. So my issue with when this was first posted, you know, I think there was some, one person said, well, this is a personal attack. I hadn't read the post, but, but the, the premise was like, can't people have a personal life or whatever? Sure. But here's my thing. If you're going to run for public office and your personal choices include creating a designer baby because you because your partner is it doesn't even really matter why it's for whatever reason. Who do you deem worthy and who do you deem worthless and how. Right. And how do you. So already it's like, how are you going to govern if you think like people the way you are relational with people is that. You need them to either look like you, be like you, validate you, rather than affirming people in the fullness of who they are, no matter what. Because if you really, if your goal is to be a parent, you can be a parent without having to look for someone to make a baby for you that is okay if they're partially black or white. It's okay. It's okay. I mean, it's acceptable. And so, like, I I read that. That was the line. I was like, holy shit on a stick. Um... So that's my thing with it is like how your, those personal decisions will impact how you govern and there's no way around it. And so that's why it freaks me out about when like the Christian right, white Jesus Christians, by the way, we need to clarify, um, 
run for office and then kind of claim they're sort of, oh, that's only my personal life. Because we've even seen it with Democrats. Oh, yeah. It, there's no way. If these are your personal choices, this is going to impact how you govern. And how you govern is going to impact on, on a shit ton of people. So that that was my issue with that whole yeah, thing. Absolutely. I, uh, I mean, the personal is political. Amen. 100% of the time. 100%. And I'm not going to go digging through somebody's garbage. But uh, if you view humans as sort of like vaguely interchangeable, if you want a child that looks somewhat similar to your husband, do you look at your husband and just see vaguely brown, like fine, Ooh, if, fine yeah. if partially white yeah. or black or Asian or Native American or Middle East? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that that, that was is, just so weird. Fine. Fine <laughs> if partially white or black or Asian or Native American and or Middle Eastern. No, oh. Noting that I come at this from the, the privilege of being able to procreate, it seems once you um want to grow your family, um by either resorting to um a, a adoption, foster care, uh surrogacy. Um, all the many ways that people, you know, bring children into their lives now. Um, if if it's a person and their partner making this decision together, it seems that in most cases, eventually there is going to be a conversation about race. And um, uh, regardless of what race they are, they're going to have, you know, uh, some sort of reckoning um, of whether they want their kid to look like them and what the implications of that will mean. Um, and because there's something transactional here involving in, in the case of eggs, like, uh, a a donor, um, or in the case of orphans, like, uh, some sort of facilitating agency Mm -hmm. or, or government, um, there's a commodification. Yeah. That that takes place, and I remember a- after the fall of the Soviet Union, we started seeing you know a, uh, a lot of um, orphans coming into America um, from Romania, uh, from Russia, and it it had this feel of that you know these babies were the ones being adopted here because they were the white babies, and there was mm-hmm. kind of an ickiness to that. I heard you attach this to um, white liberalism. And so I I asked myself, well, what would uh, a white conservative, um, how would they approach this? And I think that's probably that, you know, uh, they would want, you know, zip your race or something. I mean, they might also (laughs) want to rescue. Oh, yeah. uh, Rescue and convert. Right. White savior Uh, kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't really speak to that experience, but like I have read accounts of uh, black people raised in uh, evangelical white families. Um, and there is like a, a forced uh, break from their culture mm-hmm. and their heritage. Um and that's the but thing for like, an egg what, donor. Yeah. For an egg donor. So then what happens? What is this United Colors of Benetton baby told mm. about their own background? Right. 
are they uh, going to be exposed to their uh, heritage, which uh, may be the entire world? And, and will they exactly? And will they know what it is? Yeah, I know Ryan did address something about the the donors. Um, anonymity or not I, yeah. I believe in the original post yeah which was an un, unsettled or an open question yeah it i mean i also understand like wanting to pass on your genetic material like that uh can be a major motivator in being a parent and like i don't know but it's all complicated it's all extremely complicated but what it boils down to is I'm not seeing from this uh, city council candidate a very nuanced Mm -hmm. approach or understanding of the issues or why people would have a problem with his original post. Would you feel better about his original post if he'd said something like, you know, we're looking for an egg donor and we don't care the race or background appearance of the person you know what i want what i want is a fucking city council member who has the like discernment and uh uh subtlety to not post on facebook right there right there looking for an egg no because this isn't private when you've made mm -hmm. it public on facebook right yeah uh i want leaders with some like level of like judgment and discretion and like a sense of, I mean, the personal is political, but like have a private life, my dude. I don't know. I feel like we're going to run into this more and more, uh, in the future. Like people have been living their lives more and more online, uh, in the last couple decades. So like what, what is a private life mm. at this point? Do we have private lives? And our, and our, and our media lives, our social media lives will outlive us. Yeah. Like they will be, they will exist yeah. long after we're gone. I have said some wild shit mm. on the internet. Mm. Nothing, nothing that's going to get me in trouble. But like, if I think about like, I have documented, uh, my children's, uh, bowel, activity (laughs) who hasn't who hasn't uh on the internet and like eventually they're going to oh actually my my ex's daughter is 14 and she and her friends go on each other's parents Mm. social media in order to find shit to roast each other with oh wow oh god yeah um oh god (laughs) They'll like pull up old photos, old posts. Let's say she runs for political office Mm. in 20 years. Yeah. Wow. Uh, What is her private life? Yeah. As one who was raised to believe that, you know, I could be a politician, you know, with all that, like, I, I was raised with a lot of uh, conditional privilege bestowed mm-hmm. on white men mm-hmm. um, and raised to believe that I might be a politician someday. And as one who was interested in politics, I thought a lot about, you know, whether this thing or that thing, you would know, disqualify would you? disqualify me. I mean, that's that's part of the reason that 
you know, I was 35 years old when I gender transitioned Mm -hmm. is because, you know, working in uh, legislative offices that my gender issues, if revealed, would ruin my career. Mm -hmm. Um, And so as time has gone on, you know, we've gone from uh, a situation when I was a teenager and Bill Clinton's private life was, you know, a matter of impeachment to a situation where, you know, Donald Trump is elected despite. Uh, all, it's not despite. Because of. Or, oh, it's a feature, not a bug. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> his yeah. base That's, loves his filth. They roll in it. They revel in it. They fucking love it. I it's agree. This is not true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's not a bug. I agree. Well, I, I I keep wondering if it all means that, you know, we're past uh, the the damage that's done by embarrassment. That you know, mm. are is is anything from something as relatively subtle as what Egan O'Ryan's doing here, which isn't that subtle, but you know, compared yeah. to Trump, yeah. it's it, it's subtle. Um, Anything from that all the way to, you know, Donald Trump standing on Fifth Avenue and and shooting somebody like it's like, does anything matter anymore? Uh, Today, I am grateful to Megan Hatcher Mays, who is on Instagram as Omegs, O-H- M-E-A-G-S. Not my ex-wife. No. Not yet. (laughs) Um, She every day posts a video about what's going on with the impeachment process. Um, She's smart. She's funny. She's cute. And I'm really grateful to her for helping me stay on top of this shit fuck because I can't do it on my own. It's <laughs> it's exhausting, it's overwhelming, it's confusing, and she really presents uh, the information in a way that is um, accessible to my um, internet adult brain. I was thinking of the, the women who have done podcasts that showed that it's possible to make something like this. Uh, and for starters, uh, there's Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstark of the My Favorite Murder, mm-hmm. uh, true crime, mm-hmm. true crime comedy podcast. Uh, Aisha and I wouldn't know each other uh, as well as we do without them. Um, That's right. That's how we found out we had something like we both liked, and we went to see them live. Uh, there's Devin Handy and Sarah Lerner who started the Hellbent podcast in 2017. Um, and uh, Kristen Conger and Caroline Irving, um, who started Stuff Mom Never Told You in 2010. Um, Is that the, who did the first podcast? I don't know, but um, I mean, 2010 was pretty far back there. I mean, they started doing their regular feminist podcast. Mm. And um, I know that listening to that and the their trans inclusiveness uh helped me a lot and helped me to you know both feel some acceptance in the world and um helped me place my 
personal feminism, such as it was uh, in the larger context. And and um, anyway, all those women are badasses, and I'm grateful to them. Like, well, I, honestly, I'm going to be super nerdy and just be grateful to the two of you. Like, I did not expect that to spend my entire Friday having a super fun conversation, several, about um, real things and so thank you sarah mays and chelsea alvarez con mucho gusto i learned that when i lived in south america (laughs) with much pleasure it's one of my favorite things so thank you yeah that's my i feel gratitude for right here and right now and the two of you that's fucking sweet you're fucking welcome fucking a (laughs) peace out Thank you for listening to By the Sound, your community-invested podcast. This has been an Ahoy Hoy Media production. Ahoy Hoy!